Well, this isn't just the season of music. This is the season of Hallmark Christmas movies. How many of you have ever been forced to sit through one of these movies? Uh, My wife loves Christmas movies. And because I love my wife, I watch them. Much to my own dismay. Okay, and and I get it. Like, it's nice because the Hallmark Christmas movies, they all have a happy ending. That's the good news. Like, you always know it's going to end happy, but they are so painfully cheesy, like so painfully fake. It just does not feel normal and real. It's just like, ugh, you know? But worse than that, they are so predictable, right? So predictable. Within 10 minutes, you know what's going to happen. Like, there's no doubt. Like, I know what's going to happen in this story. You know, my wife, she just loves Christmas so much that she just, she just, she just sinks into the movie and, like, doesn't, doesn't care. You know, because last week we watched a movie, last year, last year, it was called The Christmas Train on the Hallmark Channel. The Christmas Train. All right. And about 10 minutes into this one, I knew exactly where this train was going, you know? And it's one of these that had a twist in it. Like, at the end, there was a twist, okay? And that twist comes with about 10 minutes left in the story, and I hear her. She's sitting next to you. She goes, oh. And I, and I said, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> I have seen that train barreling down the tracks for an hour and a half. Like, I knew that was coming, right? So there's, movie, there's movies like that, okay? <laughs> and I, I'm going to have to watch seven more before this Christmas ends. Okay, but there's other movies, and probably you've experienced this before, where you've turned, maybe you're sitting on a Saturday afternoon, you flip the TV on, and there's a movie on. You've never seen it. And you watch for about three minutes, and you're looking, and you're like, I have no idea what's going on right now. I don't know who that is. I don't know what the storyline is. Like, I get nothing that's going on in this movie, right? It's not like a Hallmark movie. You have no idea what's going on. When you read the Simeon story, and you don't have any context, it's like that. You don't know, like, why, does, why is this story in the Bible? Why does it matter at all? Okay, and so what I want to do is I want to give you a little bit of a story, a bigger picture, so you'll understand, okay, why does this story matter? What does this do for us? When we look at the whole of Scripture, there's a, there's a big old story going on here. You know, a lot of times we pluck little verses out here and there, but there is an overarching story that's taking place. You go all the way back to Genesis, and God created humanity, right? He created humanity in his image, and his call for humanity uh, was that they would rule over this creation as his representation, that we would be under God's authority, and we would step out, and he, we, we would rule this creation, on his behalf. That was the intention from the very beginning. That's what it means to be made in the image of God, all right? But there was a problem, and we know what that problem is, is that humanity rebelled against his authority. They said, you know what? I'm not doing things God ways. We're gonna do it our way. We're gonna follow our path, what we think is right. And the result is that sin and death and evil were brought into this world as a result of our decision. That's what, with three chapters into Genesis, this is what we've hit. And the rest of scripture is this movement of God to once again reestablish his kingdom here on earth. That's the goal, that he would establish a people who would live under his authority, who would serve his purposes and rule and reign in his image as he had planned here on earth. That's what the story of scripture is all about. And so we see God doing this And he initiates, first and foremost, through a man named Abraham. Just a guy. 
Now, Abraham, it says he was a righteous man, but guess what? There's nothing that he did to deserve God to, to choose him. God chose Abraham, and he said, you know what? I'm gonna start a work in this world. I'm gonna start this thing here in this world. And so he works through Abraham. He says, guess what? I'm gonna bless you, Abraham, and through you, I'm gonna bless all nations. I'm gonna do something through your life. And so Abraham begins to, family begins to grow and eventually becomes the nation that we know as the nation of Israel, right? So we've got this nation of Israel. Now, if you're familiar with the stories, the nation of Israel uh, tends to have some issues at times. How many of you have a friend who is like a train wreck sometimes? You know, like you watch their life, you're like, you can watch them. They keep making wrong decisions, you know, and like, what are you doing? If you read the Old Testament, you see that. The nation of Israel, what are they doing? They're following God, and then, ah, we're going to do it our own way. And then things get really bad. I'm like, okay, well, God, help us, you know. Then it gets bad again. God, help us over and over and over again because they keep making the wrong decision. They keep deciding, you know what? We're not going to stand under your authority, God. We're going to do things our way, right? But God is at work. Listen, he doesn't keep working because those people deserved it. He keeps working because he is doing something. He was establishing his kingdom, right? This is a work of God. That's why when you read the Old Testament and you're like, man, that guy's screwy. I can't believe God blesses people like that. It isn't because they're so awesome. God is the one doing a work. Thank God because I'm that screwy guy, right? Thank God he works not because of how we deserve it, but because of what he chooses to do in and through us. And so there's blessing there. And so the nation of Israel has all these issues, and eventually the nation gets split into two. There's a northern tribe and a southern tribe, all right? The northern tribe in 722 BC gets wiped out, exiled and destroyed, never to be talked about again, all right? Well, now we get about 150 years later, the southern tribe, now they've got problems, and they get exiled, and, and the nation is, is suddenly now under other control, other nations controlling them, right? And so it gets really bad. This nation, you remember, what was the nation supposed to be? Man, the, this great nation that God was going to bless, and through this nation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless all. What, like, what's going on, God? And the people of Israel are starting to say, God, there was, there was prophecies that said that there was going to be this Messiah that would come rescue and save us. Why? Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you rescuing us? Why aren't you saving us? We're having all these problems. But the good news is that there's still a group of people known as the prophets. Got to stick with me. We're almost done with the little history lesson. You get to the prophets. These prophets were people who heard the word of God and spoke it to the people. All right? And so they were speaking prophecies to the people. So even though things were really, really bad, even though things were not going the way they had wanted to, at least they were hearing the voice of God. They were receiving words from God, being challenged in how they lived, that they would be called back to God. But then around 400 BC, the last prophet died. It went quiet. And for 400 years, there was no voice. No prophetic voice. Scripture that the last prophet died, uh, we're done. There's a gap there. And for 400 years, the people are God are looking around saying, what's the deal? This great nation that was supposed to be this beautiful thing, what, what is happening? Hello, God, do you, you remember us? We're under the control of all these other nations. Everybody else is fighting of who gets to be in charge. Like, and Israel's sitting there just in the middle of it, getting it, getting it handed them over and over again, Right? Saying, where, where is this kingdom? Like, where's the good stuff, God, right? You ever been there in your life? You ever been in that place where, like, stuff just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse? And maybe you get to the point where you feel like you're trying to talk to God, and it's just like you're praying to a wall. 
Maybe I'm the only one that's ever had that experience before. You feel like you're praying to a wall. You know, you begin to say things like this. You say things like this. Don't you care about me? Have you, for, have you forgotten me? Like, I don't deserve this, God. The Israelites are saying that. We're your people, God. We don't deserve this. We're your people. You maybe have said that before. God, I'm a, I'm a good person. I don't deserve what I'm experiencing. You say things like, I didn't think it would be like this. I didn't think life would be like this. See, this is something I think all of us face at times. We wrestle with these. We struggle. Maybe you show up to church, you put the mask on and just pretend, praise Jesus. But when you're by yourself... Like when you're on your own, you start asking these questions. You start wrestling with these things on your own, right? I know I, know I do. I don't know about any of you people, but I do at times. I begin to wrestle. But as a pastor, I've seen these types of moments in the lives of others. You know, one of my privileges, but also one of the, the challenges is, is walking through really tough seasons with people. And I remember a few years ago, um, there was a couple that... I, I got to step into a room with them, and it was one of the most challenging environments as this couple had just uh, received news within hours that their 20-year-old son had committed suicide. And it, I mean, you can imagine what the temperature of that room was like. And looking into the eyes of parents who had lost one of their, one of their two children that they loved with all of their heart, the questions that begin to form in there, Right? The, the, like, whoa, this is not what I was hoping for. And I remember these words coming out of their mouth. They said this, this wasn't the plan. And maybe you've had that in your life where you said, this wasn't the plan. This is not how I wanted things to turn out, right? See, this is where Israel was. There was all this prophecy that said this Messiah would come someday and rescue them, but it had been so long, and the hope was waning, right? And in the midst of all of this environment, this culture, 400 years of silence, there's a man named Simeon. And Simeon, it says he's a righteous and a a devout man. He's a guy who's following God. And God decides to speak supernaturally into his heart. And he says, listen, Simeon, you're going to see that one. You're going to see him, right? You're you're not going to die until you see this Messiah that I have planned. And Simeon gets this revelation, but more than just simply the revelation, one day, I'm sure he's just in the back, he's praying, whatever, and God's like, go out. There he is. Get out there. So he goes out into the courts, and there he is. And I I would have loved to know what was that revelation like that Simeon received to to recognize that that's the one. He goes up and it says he grabs the child. And what does he pray right there? He says, Sovereign Lord, verse 29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. What's he saying? I can die happy, right? I can die happy. I have seen him. Who have I seen? For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. This Jesus, right? This Jesus. There's a painting that um, actually someone, it was a close family friend of ours was a, a painter. And this is a painting he painted years ago. It's called Simeon's Moment. This painting of a man who's holding this child, getting this revelation that this isn't just a little baby. This is the nations. This is the hope of all the nations available to us, right? It stirred something. I just imagine, what was that like? What was that revelation like? The hope of the world. See, what I find interesting when you look at this moment is this. 
is that the circumstances of Israel in the practical never changed. Remember Simeon, he's waiting, everything's bad. We're waiting for this salvation to come and rescue us. Guess what? It didn't come the way he thought it would. You know, the, the nation was still under the control of the Romans. And in fact, 70 years later, in 70 AD, the temple is utterly destroyed, never to be rebuilt again. Like what they thought this rescuing would look like was gone. Like they, they had a hope for something and it, and it didn't turn out the way they hoped. And yet, there was hope. So what does that look like for you and for me? Because we are in the same situation. We encounter the same thing day after day, year after year in these lives. Where we need hope, but it isn't always the way we thought it would be. And so I want to end here today with our big so what. I want to get to our big so what. And, and every week we ask the question, so what? What's the point of this? Here's the point. Hope has a name. Hope has a name. Hope isn't a circumstance. A lot of times we think, man, if I could just get the right, you fill in the blank. If my life situation could turn out like, you fill in the blank, now there's where my hope, I get the right relationship, I get the right job, I get the right career, I get the right position, that thing I've been striving after, if I could get that thing, whatever that thing is, if I could just have this situation occur in my home, if I get, whatever it is. I mean, we get to Christmas, it's like, if I get the nice new shirt, I'll be happy. You know, there's where my hope would be, right? But hope isn't a circumstance. Hope isn't a circumstance, it's a person. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus, all right? There is no circumstance that is firm. Circumstances change. Listen, if your hope is in a circumstance, you're in trouble. Because if a circumstance can get good, it can also get bad. And if your hope is grounded on that, it's like sand that's shifting. There is no hope there that lasts. There is only one hope that is sure, that is firm, that never changes. That is Jesus. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And I know we walk, we walk about our lives looking in every direction, trying to find a hope somewhere else. Even us mature followers of Jesus, we can do the same thing. I know you can do it because I do it at times. I'm looking for that thing, that shiny new thing that will make me feel hope. No, hope has a name. It's Jesus. Jesus didn't just bring hope to the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. That's what Christmas is telling us. So I want to I take us to a, a scripture here because there's a, there's a passage of scripture where Jesus is talking with his disciples. And it's something that I think we need to remember when it comes to this. Jesus is talking to his disciples about all the stuff that's about to come. He's, giving them, he's like, hey guys, if you're going to follow me, there's going to be some tough stuff that comes. So you need to have a heads up and be committed on the front end here because it might not always go great. Okay? And he gets to this verse that we find in John chapter 16. And Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Not in your circumstance, not in what you have to come, not in something else to look at. No, that in me you can have peace. And he goes on to say this. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. 
Like, I, I quote this scripture on a regular basis. Why? Because this is the one that's true. We like, there's some scripture we're, like, not all sure about. I think we all believe this one. We get this. Like, in this world, things aren't always going to go the way you want. They aren't. Jesus is saying, listen, as a follower of Christ, not everything is going to work out the way you planned, the way you thought. It, it just isn't. You need to understand that on the front end. But, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Hope has a name. It's not built on your circumstance. It's not built on what you've got going on in life, that your story is unfolding the way you want it to unfold. No, circumstances don't always work. They change. Jesus does not. Like, it doesn't mean that we aren't going to have challenges or discouragement or frustration. What it means is that we know the overcomer. That's what it means. We know the one who has overcome. And our faith is in one that doesn't change. Our lives are not eternal here on this earth. We are looking toward another day that is eternal. We are looking to a hope that will endure, that lasts forever. That is Christ. It's Christ. Our lives aren't Hallmark movies. Sometimes we wish they are. I think that's why we watch the Hallmark movies, yeah? Wouldn't it be nice if everybody just, just tie a nice little bow, you know, the end of life. Every moment's perfect, you know. It's not like a Lexus commercial, you know. You know, Lexus, you know, they pull up in your driveway with a big old bow on a Lexus. If I spent 50 grand without asking my wife, she would kill me. <laughs> I don't get those commercials. If you would like to buy me a Lexus, feel free. I'm not going to stop you. But that's not life. Like, that's not the real world, Right? Everything doesn't turn out with a bow on top of it. Hope isn't this warm feeling that we have that everything's going to be okay. Oh, the Christmas lights are right. and this, well, We can have hope now. Everybody's going to be all ushy-gushy and lovey-dovey. And, uh, that's not what hope is. Hope isn't even confidence in tomorrow. Because what does Paul say? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I know who holds my eternity, but I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know it. Maybe you've got more insight than I do. You know what hope says? Hope is confidence in who will be with you tomorrow. Jesus says, I will I'll be with you in every season. I'm never going to leave you. You're not on your own. And some of you are here this morning. You're in hard seasons. You need to hear the voice of God saying this. Listen, I'm Emmanuel, God with you through every season, through every challenge, through whatever you've got going on in your life, I've come to be with you. Scripture talks about the character of Jesus. A lot of times we like to talk about six pounds, seven ounce, little baby Jesus, but there's so much more to him than that, you know? There's, there's this eternal character of who God is. And so what I wanna do this morning is I wanna read to you a little bit of what Scripture says who Jesus is. And here's my prayer, because I know you're all in a different phase of life, in a different situation. Here's my prayer, is that I think something of the character of God needs to speak to every one of you. And it's different. Every, you, every one of you is in a different season. But my prayer is that as, as I read this, that God would begin to unearth faith in your heart. Begin to, to build up faith in your heart. To remember where your hope is. For some of you who are on the edge, you're about to give up to say, God, I'm not going to give up. God, my trust is in you. Guess what? My circumstance isn't what I want it to be, but my hope is not in circumstance. It's in a person. Hope has a name. It's what says Jesus is. So Jesus, he is the almighty one. 
He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is our advocate. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the authority. He is the bread of life. He is the Son of God, the bridegroom, the chief cornerstone. He is our deliverer. He is faithful and he is true. He is the good shepherd. He is the great high priest. He is head of the church. He is the holy servant and he is the great I am. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the judge. He is king of kings, the lamb of God, the light of the world, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is Lord of all. He is our mediator. He is our Messiah. He is the mighty one. He is the one who sets us free. He is our hope. He is our peace. He is our prophet. He is redeemer. And he is the risen Lord. He is our rock. He is our sacrifice and our savior. He is the supreme creator over all. He is the resurrection and he is the life. He is the door, the way, the word, the true vine. He is the truth. He is the victorious one. And as it says in Isaiah, he shall be called wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. That is who Jesus is. And I don't care what you walked in the door this morning, there is something in the character of God to meet you where you are. Whatever you are facing, hope is not a circumstance. Hope is not that this world gets its stuff together. Hope is Jesus. He is the hope of the world. He is what we need. He's what we need. There's some of you here this morning who you walk in the doors and you've never experienced the hope of Christ because you've never surrendered your life to him. You came maybe this morning because some family invited you or a friend invited you. You're going about this life. You're going about this world just looking in all the other places. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I'm the hope. I'm that thing you've been looking for. I'm that one thing that you, you know that you sense deep in your heart that you need. You can have restored relationship with the Father if you would just simply turn to me. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond in a moment. But for those of you who are followers of Christ, there's, there's the rest of us here who would say, man, we love Jesus. Yep, we live in for Jesus. How many of you know we can still look in all the wrong places? We still get our eyes on other stuff, looking for hope in all the wrong places. And I think this morning, God's just calling us once again to say, where's your hope? Are you looking to the circumstances or are you looking to a person, looking to Christ? Can we get our eyes fixed on him again? Could he speak hope into our hearts? Those broken pieces, some of you are discouraged, some of you are worn out. Listen, Christ wants to speak to your heart this morning. Would you pray with me?